So this message is one that is near and dear to my heart. I have never taught it before. But the reason it's so precious to me is because this is a scripture that is mine. I know you can have it too. It's God's word. But I have taken the scripture to my heart with all my heart. I love this word. I declare it every day. It's Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. It's about the benefits of God. The title of the message is Remember His Benefits. So I'm just going to teach one series of scriptures, Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5, and we're going to talk about the benefits of God. But before we do that, think about benefits in the natural. Think about your health benefits, your, um, in my case, my retirement benefits. I retired um, quite a bit early because I wanted, with all my heart, to do full-time ministry. So I very carefully looked at my benefits. I very very carefully looked at the retirement, um, the Michigan State retirement because I was a school teacher, and the health benefits that went with it. I needed benefits for my husband because his um, uh, place of employment didn't offer that with retirement. So I had to check it all out. I knew my benefits. I knew what my retirement pay would be. I knew what my um, health insurance would be, how much I'd have to pay, and what the deductible and copay. I knew all that stuff. I knew I had vision. I knew I had, not very good, just a teeny bit of vision. I knew I had dental. I knew I had these benefits. It was very important to me. Now, if I didn't know my benefits, if I didn't know what I have, I could very easily have them sitting there available to me, but not benefit from them. If I didn't know I had dental insurance, I have really good dental insurance. I pay hardly anything for dental. If I didn't know that I could go and pay this huge bills at the dentist, but no, I say, oh no, I have insurance, here's my card. Because I know my benefits. So this scripture, this is a really awesome scripture. God lays out an amazing benefit package for us. I think there's a lot of Christians that don't know their benefits. So we're going to look at some of these, not some of them, we're going to look at this whole scripture, this whole beautiful benefit package in Psalm 103. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to read all five verses. I'm going to read from the Amplified. Bless, affectionately, and gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deepest within me, bless his holy name. Bless, affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all his benefits, who forgives every one of all your iniquities, who heals every one of all your diseases. That's in the Bible. Who redeems your life from the pit and corruption, who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation with good so that your youth renewed is like the eagles, strong, overcoming, and soaring. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? When I wake up in the morning, that's one of the first things I do. I declare the scripture in my own words. I declare the scripture and I praise God and I remember his benefits. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this verse by verse and we're just going to look at the depth of this precious promise in the Bible. Verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deep within me, I bless your holy name. Bless, 
the Lord. The word bless, the word bless means to offer abundant praise with thanksgiving as an act of adoration and acknowledgement of our awesome God. That act of adoration is often seen in the, the body posture of kneeling. The word bless literally does mean to kneel. But you don't need to kneel. You can kneel. But you don't have to kneel to offer God your adoration. When we bless the Lord, that's what we're doing. We are acknowledging him with thanksgiving. And the key is acknowledging him with thanksgiving before you even see the results. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight are all these benefits. God says, acknowledge these benefits. He doesn't say, wait till you see them and then praise me. He says, bless me. Bless the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul. Bless him. Give him that adoration that he so deserves because he is amazing. He is awesome. Awesome. He is so great that when we take the time to put our heart and our focus on him, we are filled with awe. In this scripture, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, our passions, our desires, our dreams. It isn't our spirit. Many times those two are, are put together, but they're not the same. Our spirit is the part of us that has been completely perfected when we gave our life to the Lord. But our soul isn't completely perfected. Our soul can be messed up. I mean, think about it. We can have fear in our soul. We could have depression or oppression in our feelings, in our emotions. That's part of our soul. Our soul is not part of our spirit. They're, they're separate parts. We have our spirit that is perfected. We have our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we have our physical body. But this scripture says, soul, bless the Lord. And we are literally, we need to do that. We need to make the choice to give God adoration and to praise him. It is a choice. And that is why it says, bless the Lord, oh my soul. I even sometimes talk to myself, Cindy, you're going to bless the Lord. Soul, we're going to stand up and we're going to praise God. So bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is deepest within me. With all, that's, that's your soul, the deep part, your heart, your, your, your desires. I bless you with all my heart, God. And I bless your holy name. When we bless the name of God, it's not just the word, the name, the word Jesus, or the word Abba, or Father, or Holy Spirit. It's the, the depth of what that name holds and means. The name Jesus literally means savior, deliverer, victor. So when I'm praising Jesus, I'm praising my victor. I'm praising my deliverer. I'm praising my savior, my Lord, my Messiah, my Christ, the anointed one. When I praise Abba, Father, I'm praising the one who loves me so much that it casts out fear. The one that loves me so much that he sent his own son to die for me. The one that, that Jesus called daddy. That's what Abba literally means. That's the best English word we can connect with Abba. It's 
daddy. It's such an intimate relationship. And that's who he is to us. So when we praise him, Abba, Father, Daddy, there's just this intimacy that is immediately connected. There's so many names for God. Whatever your need is, you can praise him with that name. Jehovah Rapha means the God who heals. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Jehovah Jireh, the God of provision. So whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you're in in need of in your soul, in your heart, in your body, in your life, we can praise him for that very attribute. So that's the first line. I want to go to a parallel scripture that's in Hebrews. It's Hebrews 13, 15. This is another scripture that gives us the same message with different words. This scripture says, through him, and him is referring to Jesus, through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. So this scripture, again, is saying, Continually, at all times, offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Offer him at all times. It doesn't say after you get the good news. It says continually, at all times, offer him a sacrifice of praise. And the reason I believe it says it's a sacrifice is because you don't feel like praising him when you're in the middle of pain, when you're in the middle of, of uh, that, that heaviness that comes with pain or disease or a bad report. It's really hard to make the choice to praise him. It's a sacrifice. And just like the other scripture where it says, bless the Lord, soul, soul, you need to bless him. You need to make the choice to bless him. That's what this is saying too. Offer him that sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice entails giving God your best, no matter the circumstances. And praise should not be connected to emotion. In other words, um, you don't need to feel this this, um, desire to praise or uh, uh, a great fervor or happiness in order to praise. It's a choice to praise. It's not based on emotion. Now, the cool thing is that when you start praising often those emotions come. Where you might be in a very sad place or a a place of fear or a place of um, whatever, pain, and when you start praising, those things start to fall off and diminish. And the the life uh, and the presence of God just rises up in you and your emotions rise. You're edified, you're built up. So as we're, you can't outgive God. As we're adoring him, as we're offering him praise, he is pouring into us. He inhabits the praises of his people. Here's another powerful thing about the sacrifice of praise. And that is when you offer God to the, sa- the sacrifice of praise, you are in faith. Now let me tell you what I mean. If you're praising God, we're going to look at his benefits when we get to the five benefits. When we're praising God for those benefits, before we've seen them, we're praising him, thanking him for those benefits before you've seen them. That's what faith is. Faith is believing what you don't yet see. 
and you are taking an action of faith as you praise him and thank him for those benefits, even before you've actually seen the whole result. That's what Sherry's been doing all of these months. And now the results are coming. So it is an act of faith. It's a powerful act of faith. So I want to look at the three words at the end of this. Well, actually four. First of all, it talks about the sacrifice of praise, and then it starts to show us what that looks like. It says it's the fruit of our lips. That tells me that it's a vocal expression. It's not something that you're doing silently. It's a vocal expression. It might be words. It might be song. It might be um, uh, dance or instruments, but it's an expression. It's not just silence. And then it says it's these these, this fruit of our lips are words that thankfully acknowledge God. That's the definition of blessing the Lord, thankfully acknowledging him. It also says confess. The word confess means to agree with God. So as we look at these benefits, we're choosing to agree with him even if we don't understand it or even if we haven't yet seen it in our lives. Confessing is choosing to agree with God. And then the third one is glorifying his name. And we talked about that already. Glorifying God for who he is, who his name says he is, what those attributes are. So that's verse 1, Psalm 103, verse 1. Verse 2 is very much like verse 1. Verse 2 says, Bless, affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul. Look at, we're talking to our soul again. This psalmist was serious about making the choice to praise the Lord. So twice he repeats that. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not. That means remember. Don't forget. Remember his benefits. Rehearse those benefits. When I say rehearse, I mean speak them out loud. That's what Sherry's been doing. She's been speaking the promises, the benefits of God. Speak them out loud. We need to do that. We need to know our benefits. And one of the ways for us to come to not just have them here, but to really believe that they're ours, is to speak them, to remember them, to speak them out loud. I was just reading in Deuteronomy this morning, and there was a, there's a whole section that talks about the importance of remembering what God did for the Israelites. And they, were, they had all of these things they were supposed to do. They were supposed to put them around their forearm. And we see Jewish people doing that, putting them around their forehead, putting them at the, on their doorposts, the promises of God. Because even way back before the new covenant was established, it was so important God kept saying, it's so important to remember. Remember my promises. Remember my benefits. That's the title of this message. Remember his benefits. So now we're going to get into the benefits. Here's the first one. Who forgives every one of all our iniquities. That's a good benefit. He forgives every one of all our iniquities. When we see the word iniquities, probably we all agree it means sin or shortcomings. Jesus paid the price. Now, this was written before he had paid the price. 
We have it way better than they had it in the old covenant. Because now we have complete remission of sin. Not just atonement, but remission. So let's look at some scriptures that show us what this benefit is. So we know our benefit. Isaiah 53 verse 5, also a prophetic word that was written before Jesus paid the price. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions and was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. This is a prophetic word that has been now, now has been fulfilled. I want to talk just a bit about transgressions and iniquities. Transgressions refer to what you and I would probably call sin or trespasses. The breaking, the, the things that we know God doesn't want us to break, like lying or stealing or, or swearing or adultery or etc. those kinds of things. It refers to sin that's known or sin that's unknown. It also refers to the things not just that you, you do that you're not supposed to do, it also refers to when God wants you to do things that you don't do. For example, loving, serving, giving, taking care of the orphans and the widows, those kinds of things. So that's just a snapshot of transgression. Iniquity is a much more deeply rooted kind of problem. Um, the definition in, in the concordance that I was reading said perversity or depravity. To choose to intentionally disobey and to continue without repentance. So you can see it's a much deeper kind of thing. It's often a generational sin that has moved from generation to generation to generation. Like alcoholism or um, marriages that never seem to work. The father's marriage, father and mother didn't work. The marriage in the next generation doesn't work. And, and then, you know, many divorces and then the next generation. That kind of thing. But he was wounded for both. He was wounded for transgressions and he was bruised for our guilt and our iniquities. He became the curse for us. So we don't have to live with generational curses that follow from generation to generation. He became the curse. That's what Galatians 3.13 says. He became the curse. So he destroyed the curse. And he gave us this divine exchange. It's amazing. But that, again, is a prophetic word. Let's look at where it was fulfilled. Matthew 26, verse 28. In this scripture, Jesus tells us what's going to happen the very next day. In this scripture, Jesus was um, at the, at the, in the upper room instituting the ordinance of communion the day before he died. And when he did that, he took first the bread and then the cup. And when he gave them the cup of wine, he passed it to them. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Now that word remission in the um, new covenant, in the New Testament, is sometimes translated forgiveness and sometimes remission, but it's the same Greek word. It's the Greek word aphasis. And let me tell you what remission means, because this is amazing. Remission means release from bondage or imprisonment. So sin held, held us in bondage, but we've been released because of what Jesus did. Forgiveness and pardon of sin, 
letting go as if they'd never been committed, and remission of the penalty. That's huge. All sin has been remitted. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says the same thing. In, this is after it was done. This is after Jesus died and was resurrected. In Jesus, we have redemption, deliverance, and salvation through his blood. The remission of our, our offenses. The forgiveness of our offenses. Our shortcomings and our trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor. Wow. Sin has been remitted. Now, I'm, can't, you don't need to go back, but I want to review the, the verse that says, one of our benefits is that he forgives every one of all of our iniquities. I know that benefit. I know it in my heart. It's mine. And I receive the benefit. I am completely righteous. And do I miss it? Yep, I miss it. But the word says that he has forgiven every one of all my iniquities, and I believe it. There's no, no sin too big, nothing that's too little, nothing that's too big. He has completely redeemed me. He has ransomed me. He paid the price in full for everything, everything, 100%. It's done. It's finished. He never has to do it again. It's good news. Okay. The next benefit, benefit number two that's in the word. This is a healing meeting, and this is a really good benefit. This is from the word of God. God does not lie. His word is truth. And this word says, who heals every one of all your diseases. He heals them all. He heals every single thing that you need healing of. And I also believe that it's soul issues. There's other scriptures. That's another whole teaching. But soul and body, he heals every one of all our iniquities. Ken, can you push the button, hon, to go to the next scripture? Thank you. So let's look at another prophetic word. This is Isaiah 53, verse 5, the second half of the one I read about transgressions and iniquities. The chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him, was upon Jesus. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. I want to define a few of those words. The first one is chastisement. Chastisement means the penalty or the price. It also means, I want to get the deep, the deep meaning here just a sec. It also means the infliction of corporal punishment as defined by law. So what, what ours, you know, in the, in the book of um, Deuteronomy, I believe, when it does the blessings and the curses, it might be a different book, but it's the one that tells what the punishment is for all of the sin. There's this hundreds, it's not just 10 commandments. There's all kinds of things, and then there's punishments. Jesus paid the price for them all. He took the corporal punishment Another meaning of chastisement is punishment by whipping. He took it. He took the punishment by whipping needful for us to obtain peace and well-being. That word peace and well-being is the, the Hebrew word shalom. And it's an immense word. It includes what we think of as peace, tranquility and contentment. It also includes healing, 
and well-being in all of our body, being whole, being whole, being complete. That's my favorite part, being complete. I'll never forget when I received Jesus 100% into my life, and I just felt a completeness I'd never felt before. I'd never experienced before. That's what that is. It's fulfillment, completeness. It also means having all your needs met. It means nothing missing and nothing broken. That's what that word shalom means. And he paid the price needed for us to obtain peace and well-being. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. This is referring to when Jesus was flogged. We believe it was 39 stripes. That was usually the, the, what was given to people in that, um, when they were, before they were um, crucified. And the reason they did 39 is because typically that's all a body could handle without dying. And they didn't want him to die until they got him on the cross. It was a brutal, brutal flogging. And when Ken and I have talked about this, it just is, we're just in awe. Because maybe I'm wrong, because I don't know what, what God's mind was when he sent Jesus to us, but I don't think Jesus had to take the flogging in order for us to be saved. I think all he had to do was die on the cross. But he did both. He took those stripes so that we could have healing and wholeness Now, many teachers teach that that healing means spiritual healing, but that's not the full truth. It does mean spiritual healing, but it also means um, healing of the soul, the emotions, the mind, the will, and healing of the body. I'm going to give you a little bit of evidence. I don't have time to teach a lot, but that word is used many, many times in the Old Testament. And if you go to other times that the word Healed, it's the word, it's the Hebrew word Rapha. The same word that is in the, the name for God, Jehovah Rapha. But in some of the um, accounts in the Old Testament, it's specifically physical healing. One of them is King Hezekiah. When King Hezekiah was sick unto death, and he was, they, it, he was, they told him he was going to die, and then he prayed to God, he said, please, I want to live And God said, I will give you 15 more years. And he was physically healed. And that word was Rapha, the same word. That's just one example. There are many examples where that word was physical healing. It means physical healing. If you look it up, again, in a biblical reference book called a concordance, it means to cure, to heal, to thoroughly make well, and to restore to normal. It means physical healing. By the stripes on the back of Jesus, we were healed. Isn't that good news? In Isaiah 53, verse 5, same verse in the NLT version. He was beaten so we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. Isn't that beautiful? That's a good one to memorize, to keep in your heart, and to speak over your body. He was beaten so we could be whole. And he was whipped so we could be healed. Benefit number three. Who redeems your life from the pit and corruption. The word redeem means to buy back. To pay the ransom for our freedom. 
to deliver us from the power of and the penalty of sin. We have been redeemed. So I don't know why there's the healing one in between the first one and the third benefit, because the first one and the third one go right hand in hand. The first benefit is that he forgives every one of all of our iniquities. And because of the forgiving that he does, we have redemption from the pit and corruption. This I knew my whole life long as a little girl growing up. I knew that when Jesus died for me, he died for my sin and so that I could go to heaven someday after I died. I knew that, but I didn't know the fullness of my benefits. And that's what I want to share with you today. Because we have been redeemed. We have been ransomed. Jesus paid the price in full. He rescued us. When sin was defeated, the barrier was completely removed that kept us away from God so that we could be in reconciliation with him, so that we could be in that place of his presence, so that we could be with him in paradise forever after we die. But there's more. There's much more. But let me go to this first. I want to define the pit and corruption. We've been redeemed from the pit and corruption. The pit and corruption refers to death, the grave, and hell. We've been redeemed from eternal death. Yes, our bodies will die someday, but we will not die. We have eternal life and we will live forever. Death has no victory. We have been redeemed from hell as believers now. Boy, I should have said this a long time ago, Cindy. That's okay, I'm saying it now. All of these benefits, every one of these benefits is the potential for everybody. But it isn't everybody's. It only becomes ours when we believe and receive Jesus as our Savior. If people don't recognize Jesus as Lord, if they don't accept the sacrifice that he paid, take it, receive the gift, all of those benefits are on the shelf and they're not, you can't access them. They're not yours, including this one, including being redeemed from hell. The only way to get to heaven is by believing in Jesus and receiving his benefits. So when we do, we are redeemed. When we do receive Jesus, when we do accept his sacrifice, when we do declare him as a Lord and invite him into our heart as our Savior, we are redeemed from the pit and corruption. But that's not all. There's so much more to eternal life than life after death. There's so much more. Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14. I shared this last week in depth. I love this scripture. The Father has delivered us and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness. We're no longer in that place of darkness. We're no longer under the dominion of darkness, of the enemy, of sin. We've been transferred into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have our redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness or the remission of our sins. We've been transferred. We've been moved out of one dominion and into another. We were under the dominion of darkness before we received Jesus as Lord. 
But when we made that decision, and it's a decision, it's a choice. It doesn't happen without you choosing it and acting on it and receiving the Lord as your, Jesus as your Lord. But when we do, we're transferred out of the dominion of the enemy and hell, and we are transferred into the dominion of God and life and eternal life. And it happens at that very moment. Eternal life happens at that very moment. The word kingdom means royal power, kingship, and dominion rule. It refers to the royal power of Jesus as the triumphant Messiah. But we have been given, we have been conferred his dominion and authority. And we carry it. So as believers, we carry that dominion and authority. We carry that power and authority. That's a part of the benefit, but many of us don't know it, so we don't use it. Sherry started to use her authority in a new way. And the dominion of darkness in her life has been pain, is letting go of her because she is standing in her authority and telling it to. So now, because of who we are, we're sons of God, we have, or daughters, we're daughters and sons of God, we now have this benefit. We've been redeemed out of the pit and corruption. Acts 26, 18, another beautiful example. In this scripture, the apostle Paul is um, recounting his salvation experience. He's in that place in, in his life where he's been imprisoned. And he's has, he has to go from one um, judge or leader to another. And he keeps being sent from one to another. And this is when he's talking to King Agrippa. And he's telling him about his salvation. Now, you remember the story. He was riding on the road to Damascus, getting ready to go um, get more Jesus followers and take him to prison. And in the middle of his journey, he was, there was this huge bright light. He fell off his horse. He was blinded. And he heard the voice of Jesus. And that's what he's recounting right now. And he, Jesus is speaking to Paul. And he's saying, Paul, I have chosen you to open their eyes. He's talking about the people he's going to go out and tell the good news to. Jesus says, I've chosen you to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may thus receive forgiveness and release from their sins. That's remission. And a place and portion among those who are consecrated and purified by faith in me. Jesus said that to Paul. Now, this is the amplified, so it was a lot wordier than Jesus. But that's what he was saying. He said, Paul, I have chosen you to take good news out, to tell people they are no longer under the power of Satan. They're now under the power of God. And they're consecrated. I love that word. Consecrated means separated. Made holy. So that you could be in the presence of God. Our spirit is perfected. Why? Because sin has been remitted. It's no longer a part of our being. We're a new being. And I want to read one more verse in this benefit. This is Romans 8, 2. The law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has set you free from the law of sin and death. We've been set free. We've been ransomed. We've been rescued. We've been set free. And we've been set free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is the power that we used to be under. 
the old dominion, the power of darkness, the power of sin that led to eternal death. And it implies future misery and hell. But that's not where we are anymore. If we've received Christ, we have been set free and now we live under the law of the spirit of life, which that word life is the word Zoe, Z-O-E, and it means real life, genuine life, complete life, blessed, devoted to God, consecrated unto God. But that, that's not all. It gets better. Because after your physical life here on earth, your eternal life continues forever. And there is an increase because there's no longer any darkness around you. Right now we live in a world where there is darkness around us. But there won't be. We will be face to face with the love of God. Pure, pure, unfiltered, 100% love of God. One of my prayers that I pray a lot is to experience that on earth. I know I'm going to experience it in heaven. But that's one of my prayers. God, I just want one of those heavenly experiences where I can see the, the fullness and experience the fullness of your love. But that's our benefit. That's our benefit. Eternal life now and forever. Benefit number four. Who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercy. The word crowns means to surround us. The word crowns means to immerse us. I envision it like a cloud that you just walk into and you're in the midst of it and it's just surrounding you. You're just part of it. Baptized in this place of loving kindness and tender mercy. This is the benefit that takes me to my knees in adoration. Every benefit is huge. Forgiveness of sin so that I can go to heaven. Um, being saved from the pit and destruction. Healing. They're huge. This one just shows me that God cares about every little detail. Let me define loving kindness for you. Loving kindness means that disposition. Now we're talking about God, guys. That disposition that delights in contributing to the happiness of others, which is exercised cheerfully in gratifying their desires, supplying their wants, or alleviating their distresses. It's a God who cares so much, so much, that he just loves to bless us. He loves to take care of us. He loves to meet our needs. He loves to alleviate those things that are distressing to us or hurtful to us. It's, and that's another one of those, God, you, you're such an amazing God. You don't need to deal with my little itty-bitty things. But he does because he loves us so very much. I want to share an example with you that happened last summer that just completely amazed me. Um, it was in July last year, and it was, wasn't this kind of weather. It was cold and rainy, and it just we didn't have as nice a summer as we had this, this year. And Kent and I went on a motorcycle trip, and it was raining, and it was cold. And, um, and you know, it was, it, we had fun. We had a wonderful time, but it wasn't the best weather. 
we were going to go right, we went to the upper part of Michigan to take this motorcycle trip, and then we were going to go right from there to Traverse City because one of my dear friends asked me to baptize her daughter in Grand Traverse Bay. I've never baptized anybody before, and I was very honored that she asked me. I've known this girl that was that asked to be baptized since she was a little bitty girl and I've watched her grow up and I've seen her grow into this beautiful woman she's in she goes to Michigan State now and to be asked to baptize her I was so honored but the weather was cold and rainy and those of you who know Cindy know I don't like cold rainy weather and I certainly don't want to be in the water in cold and rainy weather and as I'm riding the motorcycle in this misty rain, and I was fine. I was dressed for it and all. I was fine. But I was just talking to God and saying, God, you know I'll do anything for you. You know, I, yes, I'll get in Grand Traverse Bay. And I'm not going to fret about it. You know, I'm just going to do it. I can't wait to baptize Shannon. What a, what a gift. So um, I even texted my friend and I said, are you sure that she still wants to be baptized today? You know? And she says, yep, she's all in. She's ready. She wants to be baptized. So I said, okay, we're coming. So we drove to Traverse City, got ready to do the baptism. And this is where God poured out his loving kindness in such an amazing way. I was so overjoyed at the opportunity to baptize this beautiful girl. We got in Lake Traverse, in the tra Grand Traverse Bay, and the water was warm the water was so warm i know that it was supernaturally warm guys i swim in our lake all summer long and our lake is a little lake and it doesn't get that warm and that summer it wasn't very warm grand traverse bay was warm and i got in there with her and i baptized her i wasn't one bit cold and neither well maybe she was colder than me she had on a bikini, and I didn't. <laughs> but, but the point is, God did that for me. He did that for her. And I know it was his loving kindness. And I got out, and I was, of course, finished the baptismal ceremony and everything. And then we went out to dinner, and I was just in awe that God made the water warm. That's his loving kindness. He didn't need to do that. I didn't ask him to make the water warm. All I said was, God, you know I'll do anything for you. And he made the water warm. He's such a good daddy. He also gives us tender mercy. Let me define that for you. Tender mercy is mildness or tenderness of heart, which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. That's what God does for us. He treats us way better than we deserve. That's what mercy is. And he does it with tenderness. He does it with tenderness and mildness of heart. I don't know about you, but when I have disciplined my children, now they're older, but many times when I was in the process of disciplining, my heart was so tender. I didn't want to discipline. I knew I needed to because I was the mother and I needed to follow through and be consistent. But I didn't want to. There was this mildness, this tenderness of heart. Multiply that by a hundred million times, and that's how amazing our God is. I want to look at the scripture. Can, I think I'm skipping one, but we're going to go to Psalm 51, verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> one more, please. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. 
Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. See, that's what God does. And now we're in the New Testament. The Psalms was written before Jesus had paid the price in full. So he pours out his loving kindness and tender mercies. And yes, he does give us what we don't deserve. He gives us complete perfection that we did not deserve, that we did not earn. He gives it to us, his loving kindness and his tender mercy. Okay, let's go to benefit number five. Psalm 103, verse five. He satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation with good so that your youth renewed is like the eagles, strong, soaring, and overcoming. I love this one. I love this verse. He satisfies your mouth. Now, in the Amplified, it kind of tells with that word mouth because when you think about satisfying your mouth, you're thinking about what you're eating or what you're drinking. But it really means your necessity and desire at whatever age you're at. Your, your necessities and desires and passions are different when you're 20, when you're 40, when you're 60. They are, they're different. But the point is, God says, I will satisfy you at every stage of your life. In another translation, it says, he satisfies your years with good things. He satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the soaring eagles. The word youth implies both strength and beauty. Now, I use this scripture. I live this scripture. I love this scripture. I declare this scripture all the time over my physical body because it's a benefit. I know this benefit. I know my benefits. And I want to take advantage of my benefits, just like I want to take advantage of my dental insurance. I take advantage of this one. And I, I say, Father, I thank you. Your word says that you renew my youth. I receive renewed youth. And I literally speak over parts of my body that the world says get different when you get older. And I say, nope, not receiving it. I speak youth over my body. I speak specifically over parts of my body, like my joints. I have good joints, but I'm probably because I speak over them every day. Thank you, Father, that I have good knees, good joints. My joints are strong. I thank you. I get out and walk three, three and a half miles in the morning, and I say, Father, I thank you that my knees are so strong, and I can get out and walk and enjoy this beautiful creation. I speak over my, my brain and my memory. I say, Father, I thank you that I have an excellent memory, clarity of thinking. I am sharp, and I will continue to have this excellent thinking and processing and ability to communicate and receive and give information all the days of my life. So I speak over my body. This weekend, I had kind of an interesting conversation with my family. Um, my mother-in-law, I took her recently to the doctor, and they measured and weighed her. And when they measured her, she found out she's getting shorter. So she, is, she was 5'4", and she's gradually getting shorter. She's now 5 foot. And she was telling people about the, you know, the result of the doctor's visit, and I was just kind of standing there. And um, my daughter is 5'4", and so she's saying, well, Grandma, I'm 5'4". This is the same height you used to be. And they were standing next to each other and, you know, comparing themselves. And then Megan says, what about you, Aunt Robin? And she said, she, Megan's saying, have you shrunken? You know, how tall are you? And then they say to me, Mom, what about you? Have you shrunk? And I said, 
I'm not shrinking. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> my youth is renewed. I like five, seven and a half. I'm staying at five, seven and a half. But you see, people don't know their benefits and they receive what the world says. We don't have to grow old and, and age. I believe, same thing with, and you guys might think I'm wacky, but I believe this with all my heart. Same thing with menopause. You can go through that season without the effects that the world goes through. Just saying. Okay, enough of that. Now I get to share an amazing testimony. Many of you know my eagle testimony. This is a testimony that is so dear to my heart. It happened when I was in the middle of my cancer diagnosis. I was uh, diagnosed in February, and my eagle um, testimony happened in May. And I was given my all clear that I was completely healed of stage 4 cancer in June. I was declaring this scripture over my life. I was declaring it. I was driving and declaring it. I had it in my heart. I was just talking to God as I was driving home from work that day. And I got to this last verse that said, God, I thank you that you satisfy my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. And I stopped and I started talking to God, which is what I do when I declare his word. When I pray his word over my body, I don't just say it. I stop and I, if God stirs in my heart, I start to talk to him about it or ask him about it or praise him about it, whatever. So that day I said, Father, can, can you go back to that scripture, please? I say, Father, I thank you for this beautiful promise. And I believe that you satisfy my, my, my mouth and that my youth is renewed. But I can't see what's going on in my body. I trust you, God. I know what your word says. You have taken such good care of me, but I could really use some confirmation. I said, Father, this scripture says that you renew my youth like an eagle. Will you show me an eagle? Now, I hadn't prayed beforehand. I hadn't even thought about beforehand. It just, it just came out of my mouth. Well, that weekend, it was Memorial Day weekend, God didn't give me just one confirmation. He gave me five. I'm going to tell you those five confirmations, those five eagle confirmations. The first one, I got home five minutes later, five minutes after I had talked to God and asked him that. Five minutes later, I walk into my house, Kent's cooking dinner, the TV's on in my kitchen, and on the TV screen, the only thing I saw was a soaring eagle. I don't know what was on, I don't know what show it was. All I know is I saw this eagle, and I, I was I was just in awe, and in my head, I thought, wow, that was fast. But then I thought, God, I really wanted a real eagle. But I wasn't, you know, I didn't tell God I wanted a real eagle. I just said, show me an eagle. Second confirmation, um, I went up north that weekend, and I had a, a devotional I was reading. It was by Stormio Martin, and it was called Just Enough Light for the Step That You're On. And it was a word of just encouragement in the middle of the trial. And I was in the middle of the book. I opened the book to the chapter, the next chapter. And this is the scripture. I had never read this scripture ever because I was a brand new Christian. Did never read it. It's Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not grow faint. God gave me another promise about being strong, that when you wait on the Lord, you're going to be strong like an eagle. When you wait and expect in the Lord, he's going to give you the supernatural 
eat power and strength to soar like an eagle. So that was huge to me. That was confirmation number two. Confirmation number three happened on Sunday morning. I went to church with my family. The first song, On Eagle's Wings. And so I'm praising God and singing this song about soaring above the adversities on eagle's wings. That was confirmation number three. Confirmation number four. During that season, I got cards by the hundreds, beautiful expressions of people's heartfelt love for me and concern for me. Out of all of those cards, I only got one that had an eagle, and I got it that weekend. Whole front of the card was an eagle, and this was the verse that was on the card. When you come to the edge of all the light you know and are about to step off into the darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing one of two things will happen. There will be something solid to stand on, or you will be taught how to fly. May you be guided by the light of faith every step of the way. And so I had this message with, with an eagle about soaring, about faith, about light. And that blessed me, and it was a big confirmation. Confirmation number five was my real eagle. So confirmation number five, it was Sunday afternoon. We were up north, and I invited my mom and dad for dinner that day. And my dad is 91 years old and has lived in the same town 91 years. Edmore, Michigan. That's where I was born and raised, and that's where my mom and dad have lived their whole married life, and that's where my dad's lived his whole life. My dad's an outdoorsman and a sportsman, and he knows every animal there is. He has seen and knows about, or whatever, everything in the area. And our cottage is close to their home. So I asked him, I said, Dad, have you seen an eagle around here lately? And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, I have never seen an eagle. And I said, okay. I had, to this point, hadn't told anybody my prayer. About five minutes later, my two sons, who were college age at the time, had been outside skiing. It was cold and rainy, so I wasn't outside that weekend. They were, though. They came inside running, saying, Mom, you can't believe what we just saw. An eagle was flying over the boat, dove in the water, caught a fish, and landed on our island and ate the fish. Yeah. God gave me the confirmation that I'd asked I knew that I, that was my confirmation that my body was healed. That was my confirmation there was no cancer in my body. That was God's loving kindness to me just because I asked. And he gave me not one, but five eagle confirmations. That eagle is still my eagle today. He hasn't left. He's still there. Kathy, you've seen him. When we go to the cottage every weekend, he perches in a tree that is right there, like where that light is. When I get up in the morning and go out on the deck, he's sitting right where that light is. That's how close he is. And then when I go out, he flies away. But it's beautiful. When I'm praying for people on the phone, there goes my eagle. When I'm praising and worshiping, there goes my eagle. When I'm declaring this scripture, because I declare it every morning, there goes my eagle. God loves me. But he loves you too. He wants us to know his benefits. Remember his benefits. And take advantage of his benefits. Receive them. Receive. Take his benefits. 
So Kent, when you get that video ready, I'm going to just declare this scripture one more time as we get ready to worship God with this beautiful song about soaring like an eagle. But I just praise you again, God. I praise you again. I lift my heart to you. Bless you, Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. With all that is deep within me, I bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and I forget not all of your benefits. You forgive every one of all my iniquities. You heal every one of all my diseases. You redeem my life from destruction. You crown me with loving kindness and tender mercies. And you satisfy my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle's. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your benefits. Thank you for making them so real to me. And my prayer is that they become absolute real to everybody that is hearing this message. That the benefits are known. Our benefits are known so that we can receive the fullness of your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.